Hello, and welcome to the weekly podcast of C2 Church in Columbia, Missouri. Good morning. It is good to be with you this morning at C2. My name is Ben Miners, and uh, it's my privilege to serve youth, uh, middle school and high school here at C2 students, and um, it's awesome to see you all this morning. The it's I was just really encouraged and um, blessed, I don't know about you, but just being able to be a part of a worship ministry here um, and, and being led in worship by a team that really believes the words that they say. And um, I just wanted to, to give a quick um, shout out and, and say thank you to the entire worship team, Pastor LT and the rest of the team members, dude. And um, it's, I'm so glad that, that whatever my week has looked like, whatever my day has looked like, I can come on a Sunday morning here and be encouraged and, be, and have spake, or faith spoken to me and be able to receive from the Lord and, and, and enter in and, and with a team that, that, that believes the words that they're saying and, and lives it out. So thank you guys so much. It's awesome. Um, I also wanted to say thank you to Pastor Jeremy. It's been good having you guys back. And um, I was just speaking with one of our um, team members earlier in the, um, in the hallway here, just saying how grateful that, that we are that um, our lead pastor is a kind of leader who pushes other people forward. And um, and just, just evidenced by the, the fact that you can see as a, as a team and as a church here, um, it's not just our lead pastor up on the stage preaching and speaking and sharing the word, but he's actually raising up other people to, to be able to understand the gospel, to live it out, and then to speak it. And um, that's something that you don't see every day. And, and I, don't, I think sometimes we take for granted the leadership that we're under here. And I just wanted to say thank you um, for your heart and your leadership in that. Um, can we give a hand for our lead pastor? And, and It's cool to see what God's doing through your leadership. Thank you for that. Um, I just, like, I'm, I'm excited this morning for the word that God has for us. Um, I don't know about you, but this this time of year right now, for me at least, um, is a point of transition with high school. Um, you know, things are changing May and June. Graduations are taking place if you're in college. Uh, many people, this is a time for moving and um, and getting things packed up and going back home or or, or changing schedules, whatever. And and I've been personally, I've been doing a lot of moving um, the, over the last month or so, um, helping people, other people move, and then also uh, moving out of my apartment. Our lease is up, so um, so we're we're moving in. So my message this morning is about homelessness, actually. So um, I'm looking. No, I'm kidding. Um, but um, the we are but. As we've been doing that, I was just—I've been thinking and been pondering um, just some of the places that I've lived, and, and I was just the other day I was—I was, I was moving, I was by myself, just taking boxes from like one point to another. It was like you know, fifty a, a walking distance of maybe fifty yards, but there was like a million boxes, and so I'm just walking by myself. So I just had a lot of time to think, and I began to think of just the different places I've lived, and I don't know about you, about where you started. I started here in Columbia. Um, and, and my family grew up in a little tiny house. Uh, it was like a three-bedroom ranch house. And there are there were five of us kids at the time, and we had another family living with us. There was eight kids in the house total. Um, and, yeah, we were outside a lot um, because there just wasn't a lot of room inside to be. And <laughs> there's like, sleeping and eating room, and that was it. Um, but we would, we would be outside, and we'd, be play, we'd play all sorts of games. And, and um I never played baseball in in high school or anything like that, but we always played pickup um, baseball at our house and 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 obviously you don't I mean you don't ha- we had quite a few people, but but er- not, you didn't always have the numbers to staff an entire team, 
And so we would we'd go out and we would play. And, and I remember that we, would ha- we didn't actually have regular basses all the time because I think the bass set that we had been given for Christmas one year, I think we had used like patch up different parts of a fort in the backyard and, and pieces were missing. And so we would, kind of, we would kind of make do with what we had. And so I think this one time I remember we were playing and, and we're out in the yard and, and I think the grass kind of needed to be mowed because it was a little high, but we were like, we don't care, we're going to run through it. And um, and so we got the bases out, and and s- some of the bases were like a tennis shoe or you know like a hat that you know we didn't really care about anymore. And so we had set these things out, and 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 we're playing it. And so you had the pitcher standing there; he's pitching the ball, and then you'd be up to bat, and there was no catcher. So every time he threw the ball and you missed, you had to go run and grab the ball. Like it was, and so games could take a little while, but it was worth it. We were going to do it, and, and so we, we we would be playing. And I remember one time, I'm up to bat. And, and, and one, of my, one of my brother throws the ball, and, man, I see this thing, and I just took a swing at it and crack, sent that ball flying, and I went started to run. And I, I'm a sprinter by nature. I don't do long distance very well. Like, it's just it's difficult to wrap my head around long distances. Um, I don't know if it's just because I can't count very much or what, but I just, I, it's, it's, it's hard for me. But sprinting I can do. And so, like, baseball probably would have been my sport. I probably should have played. But so I'm sprinting around these bases. I go, to ba- you know, to, to the first base, second base. And third base. By the time I get to third base, I look up and I'm running. I'm in the direction of where I think home plate is. And as I get closer, I start running. I keep running. I'm like, what? This short distance is turning into a long distance really fast. Like, I don't see where this base is at. And I'm looking around and I'm running. And like, there's there's no base in sight. It's just grass and it's tall grass. And so I'm like, I, I, I start looking back. I'm like, wait, whoa, I've totally run like off the field somehow. I'm like, I don't know where anything is anymore. So I'm running back. And my siblings by this time, they're like, they see that I, that I can't find the base. And so all my siblings in the outfield are like running after me with the ball. And and they're not about to tell me where the base is because then I would get home, right? So, so they're all right. So we're like running in a line around like the. It was just the most comical thing running around the the yard just in circles. And I'm just going crazy, like where's the base? I can't find the base. Like, and, and we're just running around and, and and can't figure it out. And I think they ended up getting me out or something because I was like, I just give up. Like, it's, I'm not I'm not a long distance runner, <laughs> and I'm not about to find that base. So, but isn't isn't it funny? I think. That we as people, maybe on a deeper level, we as people, we, we do crazy things when we don't know where home is. I think we do crazy things when we don't know where home is. If you're new to this community, um, to this family, it's here at C2 Church. Uh, we're a community that, that believes that um, we come together on a, on, a, on a weekly basis. We gather around the message of this book right here. We're, we're just crazy enough to believe that this book was written by over like 40 different authors over a period of, of 1,600 years, a book that has one consistent theme, one consistent message from beginning to end. We're just crazy enough to believe that this book actually has changed the course of human history and, and quite potentially as we allow it to, as we sit in it, as we soak in it, as we listen to it, the message that's found in this book will change and alter the course of our very lives. And so every week we come together to, to, to gather around this book, to rehearse it, to tell each other what it says, and, and to hear from the Lord as far as what he might be saying. And so this morning, I would love um, for us to, um, first of all, to pray and just ask that God would teach us through his word. And um, as, we, as we do that, that, that we would learn that we would grow closer to him and, and allow him to, to change the course of our lives to look more like that of Jesus. Can we pray together? Father, I thank you for your love for us. God, I thank you that that for you, nothing's impossible. 
God, you're all powerful, and God, you know everything. And, and, and what makes that so unique is that you love us so much. That you're not just all powerful and you stand distant, but Father, you are all powerful and, and you love us with, with hurricane like strength. Father, we, we rest in that. We thank you that your love is real, that we can hold on to it, that we can experience it for ourselves, that we can experience it for our families. Father, I know that many of us in this room, in this community right now, are, are in a place of difficulty, and just stories that I've, that I've been hearing lately about health concerns and, and finances and relationships, God, I know that many of us are walking through valleys that feel really, really dark and, and maybe go deeper than what we thought possible. Father, we ask that, that this morning... Father, as we lifted up our hands in worship and as, we, as we've declared that you are greater than anything we might come up against, Father, I pray that you'll make it real in our hearts, that we'll experience that, that we will welcome you, that we will learn from you, and that you'll meet us here. We love you, and we thank you for your love for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to jump into God's word this morning. If you would go with me in your... Um, Bible there, however it looks like, paper or otherwise, to John chapter 14. And I've titled this message, Vacant Souls and Vagabonds. And I just was, I think it's a timely message for me. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you've been reading in scripture, or maybe just reading a book, and something you were reading really struck a chord with where you're at in life um, and what's going on. And, and for me, this was true. And I was just, I was surprised by, I shouldn't be surprised, but as, as is usually the case, I'm surprised by God's timing and, and how he kind of works things out. But we're going to be in the book of John, chapter 14. John was one of Jesus' disciples, one of the closest friends of Jesus. And, and he wrote down um, kind of the story of what took place in, in, as he was walking with Jesus and, and talking and, and learning from him. He was with Jesus for about three years. And, and John was kind of on the inside with him. He was one of his close friends. And so his, I love his, his gospel and the things that he writes. But he, he's writing in, in John chapter 14. I just want to give some context to what's taking place here. Because he begins this, this statement in John chapter 14, verse 1. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. The reason he's, I think he's saying this is because if you look previously in, in the book, what's going on is, is Jesus um, ha, is, is claiming to be God. He's claiming to be the Messiah, the ones that the, 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 the people of Israel have been looking for and searching for and hoping in the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who's going to make everything right again, everything that's wrong with us. This man is going to make everything right. And so Jesus has been spending time with these 12 men, his followers, his disciples, and he spent three years with them teaching them. They've literally been following him everywhere he goes, copying what he does, asking him questions. Teach us how to pray like you pray. Teach us how to do what you're doing. And, and, and they've been learning from him. And they've, they've actually recently in, in this book, they've had some, they've had some great experiences. They've, they've come to Jerusalem, a place that was typically hostile to Jesus' ministry. And because the religious leaders were, were threatened by Jesus and, and, and they had a lot of anger and jealousy towards him and what he was doing. So, so typically Jerusalem is not a very welcome place for Jesus and his ministry. But Jesus comes into Jerusalem at this point and, and he comes in and they give him a royal welcome. The people are so glad that he's there, and they've heard the miracles and seen what he's done, and, and so they, they, they welcome him in. He comes in on the colt of a donkey, and they're saying, Hosanna, you know, you know, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. 
And he comes into Jerusalem, and it's this great moment. I feel like the disciples were probably just like, yeah, oh, this is great. Like, things are about to happen now. Like, we can see where this is going. You're about to, you're about to come into your kingdom. Things are going to go really well. And they're excited. They're probably talking, going, man, like, I can't wait. Like, Passover's coming up, the, the festival of Passover. We're going to have a great time. But then just before this passage, Jesus gets really serious with the disciples. And he begins to talk about death. He begins to talk about betrayal. And he tells him, he says, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to be given over the hands of evil men. And one of you, he, he says, one of you is a devil. One of you is going to betray me. And the rest of you are going to scatter. And I can't imagine just like the confusion of the disciples at this point, just kind of the emotional roller coaster of like, yes, everything's coming together. And what? Yeah, you're going to, how does that help anything? How does you dying help anything? How, how is so, so this isn't going to be a thing, like your kingdom coming to earth, this isn't going to materialize. And, and so Jesus begins this next passage in John chapter 14. This is why he's saying, this is kind of the backdrop to what he's saying. He's just told them these things, and he says this. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. Now, I love Thomas's response right here because I can just kind of see the, the frustration of the disciples at this point. Like, Jesus is like, listen, I'm going to prepare a home for you, and I'm going to come back. Don't worry. If, if, if I wasn't coming back, if what, I wasn't, if, if, if what I'm saying isn't true, then why would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? He's like, listen, I'm coming back, and you know how to get to where I'm going. And Thomas is like, <laughs> um, no, we don't. <laughs> He's like, uh, Jesus, because you would actually have, he, sa he says this. He says, no, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? He's like, first of all, you forgot to tell us where you're going in the first place. And you can't just have things in your head and then expect us to know it, right? <laughs> some, of, some of you, like, you, you, you know these kinds of people that are just like, it's like, I need the details, I need to know where you're going so that I know where to go. And I love Thomas because he's just like that. Like, he's a detailed person, and um, my brother is a detailed person. And he always, he, this type of conversation is very familiar for my brother and I. I'm like, yep, this is me and Joel. Um, Thomas like, I don't know where you're going. Tell me, where, where are you going? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. I think Jesus is touching on something that's really at the core and as he begins to speak to his disciples, what he chooses to comfort them with, I think is at the core of what's been wrong with human and, and throughout history, what's been wrong with the human race. Jesus begins talking about home. He says, listen, in my father's home, there's more than enough room for, for, for you. There's more than enough room. And actually, I'm going there right now to prepare a place for you. Because I think at the, at the very core of, of our human problem, human existence, the core of, of violence and hate and struggle and, and the, the, the story of humanity, I think at the very core of that story is homelessness. Because in the very beginning, in Genesis, when, when we are created and we're in perfect relationship with God, what does he prepare for us? He prepares a home, a place for us to live in. The Garden of Eden was this perfect place, perfect because it was beautiful, there was nothing wrong with it, and perfect because God himself was there in relationship with us. 
in Adam and Eve, the first man, first woman, living together with God in the place that was made for them because everything God has made has a home. Everything has a home. And we were perfect, and everything was, was perfect about it. But then humanity, we as a human race, we, we decided that we were going to do things our own way and that we didn't really trust God. The, the, the devil planted mistrust between us and God, and, and we decided to trust him over God, even though we had no previous history of, of, of with him or, or had no reason to trust him. We chose to do it differently, and so we were separated from God. And what's the first thing that happens is we get evicted from our home because of our own choices. We were rejecting the home that God had made for us, and we said, I'm going to do it my way. And the story goes on. The first, the first brothers, the, the, the sons of, of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, grow up, and, and we have this story, this moment, where Cain and Abel come to, off, to make offerings to the Lord, kind of like as, as basically saying, like, we're grateful for your provision for us, and so we're giving you back the first fruits, the best of what you provide for us, saying that we trust in you. And so Abel brings the, the, the best of his livestock. He's, he, he, he's a farmer, and so he's got all these goats and sheep, and he brings the best of what he has, the firstborn, the, the, the perfect ones. He brings them to God and offers them to him as an offering. Cain comes later, and he brings, the Bible says he just brings some of the stuff. He was a farmer and, 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 and agricultural, and so he brought some of the first fruits of the grain of his farm, and, and the Bible says he just brought some of his grain, some of his stuff. It gives it, gives it that, that you look at it and you realize he's not really bringing the best. He's just bringing some of it, kind of going, hey, here, God, here you go. And naturally, God looks with favor on Abel's offering. He says, wow, you, you, you recognize me. You, you, you see that I'm the provider of everything. But then he looks on Cain's offering, and, and the Bible says that, that God didn't, didn't look with favor on Cain's offering. He didn't give his best. And so Cain feels this, this, this lack of favor. And I think for a moment, Cain begins to understand and feel what's wrong with humanity with what their parents actually, what took place with their parents in the garden. And what's going to be wrong with humanity from then on is that he feels this emptiness in his soul, this lack of favor, this distance between him and God. And he's angry. And God speaks to him and says, listen, Cain, like, if, it, don't you know that if you do what's right, that you'll be blessed? That actually, if you, if you do what's right, you'll be accepted, and you won't have that soul vacancy. Your soul won't be vacant. You won't feel empty. You won't feel this distance. But rather, I'm going to look on you with favor if you'll just do what's right. But if you don't do what's right, he says, listen, this is the first picture that, of, of, of what we see in, in John chapter 14. The first picture we see. It's the same thing there. It's, it's in Genesis. He says, if you don't do what's right, sin is crouching where? It's crouching at your door, the entrance to your home. And it wants to have you. It wants to live inside of you. See, that's one of the first things that I see in Genesis is that, and, and we see it again in John here, is that we as people, we are not the only thing going on on the inside of us. Did you know that? We are not the only thing going on on the inside of us. Sometimes we think that I am me, and it's just me inside. And, and that, 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 that I, I do what I want, and, and I am who I am, and, and, and that's all there is to it. But really, there's something more going on on the inside of us. We were actually made to have things live on the inside of us. We were made to be filled. We were not made to be empty. We were made to be full. Because the Bible says in, in Genesis that God created us in the image of God. And there is his thumbprint. That, that goes right inside of us, and it's designed to fill us. The identity that God has for us, who he is, is designed to live on the inside of us. 
But when Adam and Eve decided to rebel and when we as a, as a, as a human race decided to choose our own way, we call that the fall. And when the fall took place, we lost part of who we were. We lost the part of the image of God. We lost part of the, the key element of who we are was lost and our souls became vacant, became empty. And God is telling Cain, he says, listen, sin is crouching at your door. What is sin? It's anything we try to fill our souls with, anything we try to put inside of ourselves that is not what's supposed to be there. You are not the only thing going on on the inside of you. Inside of us, it's been said in, in songs and, 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 and poetry that, that there's whole worlds inside of us. And I think it's true that, that we were designed to have God's image on the inside of us, living on the inside of us. And, and God tells Cain, he says, listen, sin wants to live inside you, but you've got to tell it, no, it can't live there. Cain decides that if he can't have God's favor, he's going to try and fill the inside of him with something that will make him feel better. And he says, if I can't have God's favor, if God's not going to look kindly on me, I'm going to make sure God can't look kindly on my brother either. He says, I'm going to fill what's missing on the inside of me by killing my brother Abel. And so he lures his brother out into a field and says, let's go, let's, go, let's go offer a sacrifice to the Lord out in the field. And Abel's like, cool, man, like I love God, let's do that. He goes out and, and, and Cain attacks his brother and kills him. The Lord comes, comes to Cain and says, hey, where's your brother Abel? Like, like he doesn't know. But he asks Cain, he says, where's your brother Abel? And Cain goes, how am I supposed to know? I'm not my brother's keeper. And God says, listen, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. And, and, and what he says next, I love how, how it's put in, in the King James Version. He says this, he says, from now on, you're going to be a fugitive and a vagabond for the rest of your life. You're going to be a restless wanderer on the earth with no home, with no refuge, with no place, no sense of belonging, no sense of home. And, and I was reading that and I realized that, that this statement was prophetic and it was it's the situation that all of us live in. That all of us, because of our, our, our the vacancy of our souls, we we are doomed to be fugitives and vagabonds, to be homeless, to wander around on this earth. We ourselves, we are homes and we are homeless at the same time. And it's actually the vacancy in our souls, the vacancy on the inside of us that causes us to not know where home is. Because you know where home is when home is inside of you. The statement that your home is where your heart is, sometimes it's kind of nice, it's on cards or whatever, it's kind of, I think it's true. Because what's on the inside of you, if home is on the inside of you, then you know where home is. But if, if the inside of you is vacant, how are you going to know what's home? How are you going to know where home is? We're going to run from thing to thing, from moment to moment, experience to experience, looking for the thing that's supposed to live on the inside of us. But the things that live on the inside of us only cause us harm or only cause us temporary fulfillment. And so we go from one thing to another thing to another thing, like a vagabond looking for home. That's the problem. That's what's wrong with us. The cool thing is that God was not finished with you and me. He was not finished with our race humanity, because from this point, God begins to work out of his plan that the Bible says was actually from the very beginning of time before any of this took place, God knew it was going to happen, so he was working out a plan to, to get us back home with him. And so time goes by, and 
and, and, and after Cain, there comes more family members, and, and, and there's a lot of, throughout the Old Testament, you can read the story. It's the whole story of, of who we are as a human race, but, but God chooses a people, Israel, and, and begins to reveal himself to them, and, and, then, he, and then he calls them, and, and, and we have the stories of Moses and these great men of God, and, and at one point, Moses leads the people of Israel out of captivity, and God says, listen, I've got, these, are my, these are my ten commandments. These, this is the law that I'm giving to you. He gives it to Moses on Mount Sinai, and the presence of God is there. God's very presence is there. He gives it to Moses. And, 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 and Moses comes down, and it says during that time, the presence of God actually comes off the mountain, comes into a place called a tabernacle. It was kind of the central area that, that the whole community of Israel was built around was this tent. And, it, and God's presence comes into this tent, and God's presence is with his people. And God commands Moses and the people of Israel, he says, you're going to celebrate a festival you're going to celebrate a festival to commemorate my presence with you. This festival was called the Feast of Weeks, or the Harvest Festival. And it was commanded that they would celebrate this seven weeks after the festival of Passover. In, in Jewish culture, God had given them a, a series of festivals that they were to celebrate, to commemorate certain parts about who God was and who the people of Israel were called to be. Because the people of Israel were called to be God's picture of, 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 of fulfillment and truth to the nations around and so God, so God says, you're going to celebrate this festival. It's called the Festival of Weeks or the Harvest Festival every year, exactly seven weeks after Passover. And you're going to offer up the first fruits. You're going to offer up the best of the wheat harvest that's taken place. It's the very last harvest of the year. You're going to offer up the very best of your wheat harvest to me. And it's going to be a celebration of my provision for you, my presence with you, as displayed by my provision for everything that you need. The people of Israel knew that if God wasn't with them, then they wouldn't have what they needed. But if God was with them, he would provide every single thing that they needed. And so it's a, to celebrate their dependence upon God, his, his provision for them, his presence with them. And so the people of Israel do that, and time goes by. God's presence is there, and, and eventually the temple is built. In, in the story of Israel, the temple is built, and it's that same day, the very same day, the festival of weeks, the harvest festival, that very same day, the temple is commemorated years later. And again, God's presence is in the temple. And it's a picture of God's presence with his people. And it's to be celebrated. It's a festival of first fruits. And it would, it would come eventually to be called a festival of Pentecost, which is the Greek word for a feast of weeks. The festival of Pentecost. And it's interesting because in Jewish culture every year at this festival, they will actually read the book of Ruth, which we've been recently studying as a, as a community, as a church. We've been recently studying the book of Ruth and they would read that book, the story of it, because it was a celebration, one, of God's provision in the harvest. And two, it was, it was a celebration of Ruth being brought into the family of God, in the community of God, and welcomed home. The whole celebration is a celebration of God's presence with his people, God being at home with his people. Which is crazy, because today is Pentecost Sunday. That's today. Today is, is that very day that the, Jew, that the Jewish people celebrate Pentecost, seven weeks, 50 days after Easter, seven weeks after Passover. And this is crazy because what Jesus says next in his conversation with his disciples, he begins to fix what's wrong in the very beginning with you and with me and with all the human race. He says this. Philip says to him, he says, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Because Thomas is like, listen, we don't know where we're going. We don't know where home is because you haven't told us yet. 
And, and, and Jesus is like, no, you do know because I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. If you know me, you know God. If you know me, you know the way to where you're going. And, and Philip says, Lord, just show us the Father, who, show us who God is, and we'll be satisfied. Jesus replies, he says, have I been with you this t- all this time, Philip, and you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen the Father, anyone who has seen the Father, it says anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why, why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. You know what's crazy is that, is that after the temple is built and God's presence is with his people, Jesus comes walking along claiming to be God and he walks by the temple and he says, he says a phrase, he says this, he says, listen, you tear this temple down in three days, and I'll raise it back up again. And the people all around, the leaders were like, what are you talking about? You're crazy, man. Like, you're not going to tear that temple down. And we're going to tear that temple down, and you're going to rebuild it by yourself in three days. That's crazy talk. Because this temple, it's huge. This temple was actually built by King Solomon, and, and actually it was, it was designed to be God's dwelling place with his people. You're not going to just build that thing in three days. And the funny thing is that Jesus was like, whoa, 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 I wasn't talking about the building temple. You ever had that moment where you're talking about something, the person just goes off, and then and 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 then and then you're like, I wasn't even talking about that. Jesus wasn't referring to the to the building temple. He was referring to his own body. And he was using a metaphor. And he says, "You tear this temple down. You tear this down. I'll rebuild it in three days." What was he saying? He was saying that, listen, God's presence was actually designed to live inside of me. God's presence was designed to live inside of you. That temple, actually, God doesn't really live in a building. God lives in people. God, no building is going to contain the God who created the whole world. How is that? Does that even make sense? And he's saying, God was designed to live inside of me. And so what he says here, he says, if you've seen the Father, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father because the Father lives inside of me. Jesus is saying, listen, what's wrong with you since the beginning, I'm doing right. My life, your life is supposed to look like mine. So if you look at me, you see the Father. If you look at me, you see God because he's living inside of me and I'm living in him. I'm at home in him, and God is at home in me. I am filled with who God is. He goes on, he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. He says, you can ask for anything in my name, I'm going to do it. Verse 15, he says this, he says, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. That word advocate. Um, it's the, the word in, in, in Greek is paraclete, which means advocate or counselor or comforter, one who brings comfort or peace. He says this, he will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it, is, it isn't looking for him. It doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and later will be in you. I'm saying, listen, God himself is going to live in you. It was designed to be that way. He says this, no, I will not abandon you as orphans. Do you hear the heart of the Father coming through this? The God who in the very beginning said, listen, I've got a plan to bring you back home. You were made for home, and home was made for you, and and things got messed up. You chose your own way, but he's like, listen, I'm not going to leave you abandoned. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm coming for you.
will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the, Lord, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me, and because they love me, the Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. What's incredible about this passage is that what he's speaking about takes place. Jesus goes to, to, the, to the cross, and he's killed, just like he told his disciples. Three days later, he, he rises from the dead. He ascends back to heaven in Acts chapter 2. If you read the account of Acts chapter 2, on the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, the Harvest Festival, exactly seven weeks later, all the disciples are together in one place. The Bible says as they're praying, as they're worshiping God, there's, there's, there's a sound of this mighty wind that shakes the house, and, and, there's, and there's tongues of fire that appear on the heads of each person present, and they begin to speak in other languages that they haven't learned before, that they haven't practiced before. And as they're doing that, God's spirit is filling them up, and they are speaking the truth of who Jesus is. And the people around, they're all around, are hearing those things. And they're going, how is this happening? Because I come from another place, and I come here, and, and you haven't learned my language. You don't know how to speak to me. And yet I'm hearing you tell me in my own language who Jesus is and what he's done. And people are like, what's going on here? You know what's going on here? In Acts chapter 2 is that God is doing exactly what Jesus said he was going to do. And, and God is celebrating his presence with his people that's now possible. Because you and I, we're vacant souls. We're vacant souls. And because we have soul vacancy, we're vagabonds. And we run around restless. You know what God did at Passover? At Jesus' death and his resurrection, he purchased the vacant lots of our souls. He purchased it with his blood on the cross. And now in Acts chapter 2 on the Feast of Pentecost, you know what he's doing? <laughs> he's moving in. He's moving in. He's moving in the furniture. And he's saying, this is my space now. I'm going to make it look like my home. And the people were all together in one place, and God begins to fill them with his spirit. And they begin to do incredible things, and they begin to know incredible things that they're not supposed to know. Because God himself is living on the inside, and he's making it the way we were supposed to be in the beginning. Can I tell you that God wants to, your soul, my soul, is vacant, and it was made for God to have a home there. And God wants to move in. And this promise, Peter gets up and says, this promise isn't just for us. It's not just for us in here and now, but it's for everyone. For all who are to come. To everyone who's far away from God. For everyone who's close to God. For the people in the middle. It's for everybody. That's the, that's the heart of our God. He said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but this is for everybody. I'm going to make a home in everybody. God wants to make a home in you. He wants to make a home in me. Can I challenge you this morning to let him? Jesus goes on in, in John chapter 15, goes on to say that, he says, listen, he says, I'm, I, you need to remain in me and my words will remain in you. Be a part of me. I would preach you read John 14 and 15 because it's just, he says, you were made to be at home in me and I was made to be at home inside of you. And you're going to always be a restless wanderer. You're always going to be a vagabond with a vacant soul unless you come to me, unless you make your home in me. In Revelations, Jesus says, listen, I'm standing at the door. I'm knocking. If anyone would open the door, I'm going to come in. I'm going to live with him. I'm going to hang with him and he with me. If home lives in you, you know where home is. God said, I'm coming to bring home to you. He says, listen, I'm leaving to go home, but I'm sending home to you. 
He's going to lead you to home. He's going to lead you where home is. He's going to tell you everything you need to know about me. He's going to turn your life into something it's never been before. And some of us in this room, I think, we, we, need, we need to know what we don't know. Because what we don't know is killing us. It's not true that, that we say, well, ignorance is bliss. No, what we don't know is killing us. Because many of us are in situations where we don't know the outcomes. We don't know what God's doing. We don't know why our family members are sick. We don't know why there's relational trouble. We don't know what's going on. We don't understand. And we need to know. God says, I'm, I'm giving you the one who's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to tell you things from me so that in your, in, inside you'll know where home is, so that inside you'll know that even th- though things are crazy, you know where home is. You know that I have a plan. You know that I've called you, and I want to move in. And as you let me move in, I'm going to change the furniture. I'm going to change the decor. I'm going to make your life my dwelling place. <laughs> Brother, I'm going to make your life the man cave of the king. Sister, I'm going to make your life the castle that that princess always wanted but could never, ever make happen on her own. I'm going to make you my dwelling place. I'm going to move in. I'm going to give you power that you never had before because you couldn't overcome the things in your life. You couldn't do it yourself. I'm going to give you a peace that passes all understanding. You have this unshakable, rock-hard peace to know that I love you, that everything's going to be okay. And you're going to have an understanding about what I'm doing so you'll be able to get on board. I think we need to ask God for that today. It doesn't matter who, we, who you are, whether you're far from God or close to God right now. I think he wants to make your heart his home. So if you would close your eyes with me, and we're just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to invite him to, to do that right now. I need him to make himself more at home in me. It's not this one-time deal where you get filled with his spirit, and then it's done, and, 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 and then you never talk to him again because he's making it a home, and he's going to come in, he's going to come out. He's going he's gonna to move more stuff in. It's a journey. He's walking with you. So there's no, no one has arrived. We don't arrive until we get to heaven because he's preparing that place for us. He says, when it's ready, I'm going to come get you and take you to be with me. And then it's going to be perfect. But until then, home is right here. I'm on the inside of you, and I'm making it my home more and more every day. So if that's you this, this morning, I would encourage you to just close your eyes. We're going to talk to God. We're just going to have conversation with him. And if that's you this morning and you're saying, listen, I, I, I've, my soul feels vacant. I've been, I've been wandering, I've been restless, and, and I haven't had any rest. And I want to come home, and I want home to come live in me. I don't want to, I want my vacancy to be filled, and I want to come home. If that's you this morning, can I encourage you just to, in a moment, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to encourage you to raise your hand because you were made for relationship with God. Relation, home is a place, and home is a person. You were made for home, and home was made to live in you. And relationship with God is where home starts. So if that's you this morning, you're saying, I want a relationship with God. I'm going to count to three. And it's as easy as asking, the Bible says. It's as easy as surrendering and saying, God, I believe in you. Come live in me. So if that's you this morning, raise your hand. One, God loves you. It's an undying love. We sing that how he loves, it's true. Two, he died on a cross so that he could purchase you back. Three, he wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. If that's you, just go ahead and raise your hand real fast. You can put it up, you can put it right back down. Awesome, I see that one. Awesome, awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? I don't want to lose anybody else. Go ahead, if that's you, just throw your hand up and you can put it right back down. 
awesome, awesome. I see that. Cool. And one more thing, as we're with everybody's eyes closed, I want to ask, maybe some of us here, we, we, we have accepted Christ and we've had that vacancy filled, but, but sometimes we, we forget who's living on the inside of us. And, and, and God might be tapping you on the shoulder right now and going, you know, there's things in your life or maybe you've spent a period of time where you've forgotten that, hey, I live here too, and, and that doesn't really match the carpet. That doesn't really fit in your life. And maybe you're just saying, I, 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 I'm listening to this and the Holy Spirit's talking to me. I feel him on the inside of me or maybe tapping me on my shoulder saying, listen, um, you need to let me feel you more. You need to give this up or you need to let me move this in. I'm going to adjust the door frame a little bit so we can fit it. If that's you, with everybody's eyes closed, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. We're going to all pray together. If that's you and you just need to say, man, God, I need that. I need that. I know I do. Awesome. Awesome. Let's pray together. Jesus, we need you. Father, I pray for every person in this room who has lifted their hand to say that we need you. God, we're all in the same boat. We, we need your presence. We need you to fill us. So Holy Spirit, I ask right now for every person who's, who's saying that, that, God, I need a relationship with you for the first time. Father, you would come right now and you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. You would speak life to them. Father, you would give them the faith to believe in you. And together as a church, if we could just pray with those who are praying for the first time for a relationship with Jesus. If you just repeat after me, Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your sacrifice. I believe that you died and rose again. That you're making a home for me. I accept you. I receive your Holy Spirit. Come and fill me. And have your way. Father, I ask for every person here who's just needing to release something or, or is responding and saying, God, we're ready for the next thing you have to move into our lives. Father, I pray you would do it, that you would do whatever it takes to get our attention and, and that we will receive you and that, God, our lives would never be the same, that you would give us new power, new peace, and new understanding so that our worlds could be changed, so that we could look more like you and that the people around us can be impacted by that. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, we're so glad you listened in. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or would like more information, please email us at nextsteps at c2church.com or visit us at c2church.com.